Do you ever wonder why we worship the way we do? Why churches are run the way they are? And why on earth do we still trust the Bible as the word of God? Join us as we study church history, as we study the Bible, and as we study just a little bit of everything in between. Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. Hey, how are you doing today? Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. Hope that you're having a wonderful week this week. Today, we're going to talk about another martyr. And anytime we talk about a martyr, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, would we stand up for what we believe is right, even if it means death? Today, we're going to talk about a lot about the Covenanter movement that was happening in Scotland, and especially the periods between 1684 in 1688, which was known as the killing time. This was where the Church of Scotland was was killing and persecuting and martyring anybody who stood against it. And during this time, there was a man that comes on the scene uh, named James Renwick. And James was a Scottish minister who died at the scaffold at just the age of 26. But he was known as the last one to be hanged. He was the last one to be really the mainstream persecution out of this uh, Church of Scotland persecuting the Covenanters. James was born February 15th of 1662 in Dufanshire, Scotland. And he didn't grow up that extreme or that great of an upbringing. In fact, um, his father, Andrew, or sometimes it's referred to as Alexander, uh, was just a weaver by trade uh, and his mother Elizabeth was uh, gave birth to several children prior to James uh, but most of them or actually all of them I should say died uh, in either infancy or early childhood and James was credited with having just this extreme intelligence from a very young age uh, it said by the time he was two years of age he had observed and was aiming at prayer and even uh, the cradle of, of, of prayer. And so uh, when, when Andrew's father died in 1675, he transferred over to the University of Edinburgh where he studied religion and he would become very smart. Uh, he was a very intelligent child and uh, he would go through his life in the midst of this. But he would come in, 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 a, in 1681 when he would graduate the University of Edinburgh, he would witness the execution of Donald Cargill. Now, Donald Cargill was one of the uh, foremost preachers of the Covenanter movement, and this was the the persecuted Scottish Presbyterians that were uh, considered reformed in their faith. They were seeking to maintain the reformed faith in the Church of Scotland, but their struggle uh, was against the, the imposition that the Church of England was making with the bishops and everything else that was happening in Scotland. And so this martyrdom caused, uh, this martyrdom of Cogill caused Renwick to align wholeheartedly with the Covenanters. He believed that what the church was doing was wrong. He witnessed this savage event in the name of, of Jesus and, and thought to himself, why would a Jesus that I've studied that I've read the Bible, 
that died for the sins of man, why would this Jesus demand the sacrifice of anybody who stands against him? And so with the assistance, he, he studied theology in Holland. He went to the University of Groningen. Uh, he was ordained in 1683. And he eventually returned to Scotland where he was called to minister uh, as a covenanter in Southwest Scotland. And this is where things really began to take a, uh, a huge change. Now, uh, we, we see that he was ordained in 1683. He only had five years of ministry before he was killed. Um, and we get into this period and in, in beginning in 1684, uh, which is known as the killing time. And this was again, where the covenanters were being persecuted. They were being killed. They were, they were, there were so many different things that was happening uh, in the midst of this. And so uh, we look back and, and all of this stems, by the way, it, from the mid 16th century and a man by the name of John Knox and Knox's uh, covenanters or uh, Knox's reformed theology of the church of Scotland was um, really what began a lot of what James Renwick is, is dealing with. And so um, after he witnessed everything that's happening. He spent uh, a good amount of time for his preaching, his teaching, his, his, his equipping people uh, in the covenanter way. James VII, the Roman Catholic, became king of Scotland in 1685, and he began to issue these indulgences uh, to guaranteeing freedom of worship for these covenanters if and only if they would hold them in private. They were not allowed to advertise. They were not allowed to gain members. They were not allowed to do anything, but they, they were allowed to gather together uh, and worship together in secrecy and in silence. And uh, all other worship services really at this time were, were considered uh, against the law and they were all actually considered organized rebellion. And so in the midst of all of this, this secrecy that's trying to go on, the pastors were exhausted uh, he, they were exhausted and, and many of them took that, but Renwick and a few, very few others, uh, refused to be told where they could and could not preach. And so, uh, Renwick continued to preach the fields and the villages, and he would preach to men and women and children, and they were hiding and wandering in the mountains just to, to survive. In one year, it said that Renwick baptized 600 children. Uh, you know, we look at that, that is an amazing number for being done under the guise of persecution. But the government very soon identified him as a traitor and, and began to seek after him. And they issued an order for his arrest. But he had so many friends. This is what's awesome is when you look at Renwick's friends, they were hiding him. They were protecting him. They were making sure that, that no one would be able to find him easily. And he continued to preach for three more years after the order for his arrest came. And finally, one winter night, he was seized in Edinburgh at, a friend of a, uh, at the home of a friend. And uh, the, the privy council that he went before had condemned him to death for refusing to acknowledge the king's authority. 
Now remember, all of this came as, as, as what the king was trying to implement, that he was the head of the church, he was the head of, of, uh, of everything, and we believe that Jesus is the head of the church. And he condemned him to death. And he refused to acknowledge uh, who his, uh, who his uh, associates were. He refused to acknowledge those he baptized. He refused to call out anybody uh, who was there. And he agreed uh, that he was guilty. He, he, he just flat out said, I am guilty. And the council attempted to entice him, gave him a week's reprieve. They gave him a week away. And during this reprieve, his mother would ask him how he was doing. He would say this. He says, I am well, but since my last examination, I can hardly pray, being so much taken up with praising and ravishing with the joy of the Lord. He was rejoicing in what was going to happen. He was rejoicing in the decisions that he had made. It said that the night before his execution, he obtained a pen and paper and he wrote to his friends, see, and says, he has strengthened me to brave men and face death. And I am now longing for the joyful hour of my disillusion. And there is nothing in the world that I am sorry uh, to, to leave but you. The morning of his death, he said to his mother, death is the king of terrors, but not to me. Now, as it was sometimes in my hidings, but now let us be glad in it and rejoice. What I, whatever I have thought the fear and suffering of death could be, it so forsakens me. He was unafraid of death. <laughs> he was ready to accept it. What I love about James Renwick is, is he uh, had this, this air about him. There was really no cause for uh, James Renwick to be truly sentenced to hanging except those that were brought upon by his edicts, by the by the uh, the the organized rebellion places. And a huge crowd gathered in the in the market of Edinburgh on February seventeenth, sixteen eighty-eight, and they witnessed the final moments of Renwick's life. And it said from the gallows that he would sing Psalm one hundred three. He prayed, "Lord, I die in the faith, and that and that Thou." Wilt not leave Scotland, but that thou will make the blood of thy witnesses the seed for thy church and return again and be glorious in the land. And now, Lord, I am ready. And then at just 26 years old, James Renwick, who was the last covenanter to be hung in public, James Renwick would die. And within the year, the Catholic King James VIII, or seventh, was in exile. And this persecution came to an end. You know, I love seeing how God can move in so many different ways. And as he began singing, and, he, and what I love of this is he's singing Psalm 103. But really, I, I think of this, this, this verse in 1 Timothy. In, in, verse first, in 1 Timothy verse 15, he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. For the king of the ages 
immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Among those who are of the Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. What I love about this passage is, is Paul is writing uh, all of this, as Paul is explaining all of this, he says the saying is trustworthy, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, I believe when we, when we experience martyrdom, when we experience people who are being hung for their faith, I believe wholeheartedly that, that Jesus was the reason people who truly study the, the the sacrifice of Jesus know what's at stake and you know we've we've looked at a lot of different aspects and a lot of different ways over the last several years but ultimately it comes down to this think about it this way would you would your friends be surprised to learn that you're a Christian would your co-workers be surprised to find you at church on Sunday morning you see, so often, I think we like the concept of Jesus. We just don't like the art of following him. We like the concept of God's eternal life. But if we're honest, we don't buy into it. The problem is, is we have so many that proclaim they are Christians that have no idea who Jesus actually is. The saying is trustworthy deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world for sinners of whom I am the foremost. You know, I said this a couple weeks ago in our service that, you know, as we as we look at the, the the fact that God loved the world and that the fact that 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 Jesus Christ came to forgive sins. I said I have I believe that I have tested the the limits and the expanse of that because I came not from a church background, but from a sinner's background, from a proud sinner's background, from a sinner who would proclaim that he was headed straight to hell and boldly proclaim it. But can I tell you today, he says, I receive mercy for this reason. He says, I, I encourage you that you may wage good warfare, holding faith and good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Hold faith and good conscience. That's what I believe Renwick did. There at the very end, he was excited. Now, Lord, I am ready. Would you say that today? Would you look at your life, examine everything about it? Would you say, Lord, I am ready. Hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you next week.